0: Tonight we're going to continue on the theme of stewardship that Pastor Brett began last week, how we manage our lives. And uh, the text that uh, we're going to be looking at this evening is out of Matthew, the sixth chapter. In fact, it's just a short while after the text that Pastor Corey read. And uh, why don't you read through this with me? For this reason, I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink. "...nor your body as to what you will put on. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, they do not sow, nor do they reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of greater worth than they? And who which of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to his life?" And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon, in all of his glory, clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Do not worry then saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Now this passage, probably one of the most famous segments of the Sermon on the Mount, in which Christ spends about Three chapters of the book of Matthew laying out what it is to live in and relate to the kingdom of God. It's more than do's and don'ts. the, the, The thing that we're reading tonight and going to look at is actually one segment, one part of the things that he lays out, that Jesus lays out to people who are following him, people who are born again. Now it's important that we understand that the sermon of the mount is the sermon on the mount is addressed to people who are born again. Born again describes the spiritual regeneration, the rebirth that introduces us to the kingdom of God. Now, I'm going to take a little time, so bear with me. If you think well this is pretty basic, I want to say you bet. It's very basic. But unfortunately, one of the things that some of us, many of us, maybe most of us, all of us at points in our life, need to be reminded of is what it is that we've come to be birthed into in Jesus Christ. That our faith in Christ has brought us into a new reality, a new world. New birth, rebirth, this born-again experience is an entrance into a new reality, into a new world. It's just exactly like a child that when it comes forth from its mother's womb, enters into a world completely unlike what it's known for the previous nine months. That's why Jesus uses this analogy to speak to those who are following him that we are born again. We are born into something that is entirely different than what we have come to know. If anyone is in Christ, Paul says in 2 Corinthians, the fifth chapter, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Now, let me underscore something for us. Born again, that phrase and what it describes, does not equal a redo on your life. That's not what it's about. God is not primarily aiming at giving you, pushing the restart button in your life. But rather, He wants to bring us into an awareness, a reality, a connection with Him that actually works to transform and bring an entirely different approach to life. Through faith in Christ, we are born again, and this brings us into an ability to see and relate to, to know and to live from the reality of heaven that is present with us now. Now, the very, the very fact that I'm getting kind of the looks that I'm getting tells me that this is not something that we normally understand as part of our Christian gospel, that we are the, uh, and I'm intentionally doing something to kind of provoke us to consider the verses we're looking at tonight, not from a different angle so much, as, but rather to better equip us for entering into the reality that they're describing and that they're pointing to. Unless one is born again, Jesus told Nicodemus, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Remember that in the third chapter? He goes on to say, unless one is born of water and the spirit, in other words, unless one is born of something other than the physical flesh, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now the very point we're addressing when we talk about Stewardship and managing our lives is not how to do it in terms of this natural world, but how to do it in terms of something that's beyond this world. We are to be people who are living literally with one foot in heaven and one foot in this earth. And we're to be people who are learning how to draw from the reality of the kingdom of God. We are to people who are to learn how and to be living as learning how to be citizens of heaven. That's what our birthright is. That's what God has done for us. We're quickened by God's life, and what is new is our life with God. Now, all of us have probably experienced at one time or another that moment when we came to a real faith in Jesus Christ. And I, and I, I suspect that when I talk about born again, please don't infer that I'm assuming you haven't been. Uh, Quite the contrary, I'm wanting us to just kind of have a better, broader understanding of what it means to be born again, what that phrase is really describing. I think for most of us, historically, culturally, when we think in terms of being born again and all things being new in Christ, we think primarily that, well, I get a fresh start. And, and, and what's interesting is one of the things that characterizes that born-again moment, that born-again experience, is that we come to know the mercy of God. We come to experience and encounter forgiveness in our life. And when we experience real forgiveness in our life, and we do so out of a profound recognition of our need for forgiveness, that something is fresh. Something is revitalized. Something is made new. And and the person who's talking to us says, that's what it is to be born again. And that's exactly right. But what I want us to understand is the experience of God's mercy is simply the pushing aside of the rubble of an old life. Not so that now you can work harder, better, clearer to build a new life, but so that you can enter into... Jesus's life, that you can enter into the life where he lives. And folks, he's the firstborn from the dead. He doesn't live here. He lives in us. But the point is, we are now joined to Him, and we are to be, we have been born into the reality of where Jesus Christ is. We're to now learn, what does it look like to do life from that point, from that perspective? And everything in the Sermon on the Mount, and everything about our Christian life, is is not intended to be something that we can live out in our own strength. By our own means. Being born again reveals to us a new center for our life. Before we knew Christ, the center of our life was who? Me. Everything in my life, my money, my relationships, my work, my attitude, everything was like it was in an orbit around the, 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 that death star, Known as self. And everything was held into an orbit. And when we're born again. What we experience is now. A new sun. S-U-N. Coming into the center of our life. And everything that we are. And all that we have. Is to fall into a proper orbit. Around the sun. Who is also the S-O-N. This is what. And, 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 and this is what we're talking about when we're talking about managing our lives according to the principles that Jesus Christ is laying out for us here tonight. It was, for, it was to people like us coming to grips with this new awareness, this new frame of reference that Jesus was speaking to in Matthew 6, 19 and the next couple of verses that Pastor Corey referenced earlier. Lay up for your treasures in heaven. Now, come on. What in the Sam Hill does that mean? We have no basis for relating to that in our natural understanding. How do you lay up a treasure in heaven? He goes on to say, I mean, what he's getting at there is he says, Let the priorities and the things of importance be defined now by your new heavenly awareness. Learn to be citizens of heaven, to define what is important in terms of God's kingdom, not this world that I live in. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also, Jesus says. Where your treasure is. Now, we understand that on the basis that what is of greatest value is where we direct our attention, our affections, our creativity, our energy, our efforts. What we hold to as being most important, that's what we give ourselves to. That's the treasure. And Jesus is saying, let your treasure be in the right place. Are you looking for the right treasure? Are you being defined by treasure, not of this world, but of, of the kingdom of God, of the kingdom of heaven? Matthew, just FYI, in the New Testament, you'll find in Matthew... It's always the kingdom of heaven. That's how the Jews understood what I'm describing tonight. In Luke and Mark and other God, and the other God and John, it is the kingdom of God. But the point is, it's the realm of Christ's rule breaking in upon this temporal world that we live in. That's what Jesus was about. When he laid hold on the hand of that boy who was dead coming out of that village, he was demonstrating the fact he's got authority over everything. And he was demonstrating that reality so that the people who saw him would come to not only believe in him, but would come to see there's something more going on here than just death and life and working hard and getting by and trying to survive. That's not what it's intended to be about. But unless we're born again, we never see beyond the reality we live in. It presses in on us. And we'll see in a moment a bit more of that and understand it a bit better. After, after laying out this notion of sowing, having treasure in heaven and, and, and orienting yourself to this heavenly kingdom, Jesus leaves. He, he underscores two, two very important points. Number one, what you set your eye upon, what you make your focus, your aim, will determine what illuminates your life and shapes you. Quick example, make bitterness over past injustices the center, the focus, and you will be toxic to yourself and to everybody around you. What you focus on. Give in response to God's goodness and joy in your life, and you will experience the blessing and the benefit of seeing joy overflowing to other people. It's all in a matter of What do you set your eye on? Jesus put it this way. Let your eye be single. Let it be clear. Let it be set on that which illumines your being. In another place, he says this. It's profound. He said, if the eye is single upon that which is dark, how great is the darkness? We actually think we're looking at something light, and we're looking at something that fills us with darkness. Jesus said, let your eye be single, and the second principle is, no one can serve two masters. A person who is born again will be in this world, and we are subject to all the things our neighbors are subject to. All of us have experienced financial difficulties. All of us have experienced sickness. All of us have experienced breakage in our relationships. All of us experience the same thing as the people next door to us experience, but there is intended to be not, a, not a, a deliverance from those things. Suddenly, we don't have those. Suddenly, we're living in a different world. But rather, we now have a point of reference. We are not lifted up out of those things so that we live in denial of them. But we see them different. We step back into them differently. Because we're born of that reality. Not defined by this reality. It's what being born again is. Well, those were the things Jesus was saying leading up to the verses that we're looking at here this evening. Jesus says, okay, have tr- make tre- put treasure up in heaven, let your eye be single, you can't serve two masters. You're either going to serve the one and hate the other, or you're going to be focused on the one and despise the other. You can't do both. You've got to serve God, or you've got to serve—you'll serve Mammon. Now, Mammon is the, is another word for money, but money isn't the issue. It's mo- Mammon represents the whole nature and spirit and how this age that we live in works. This present age, this current age of darkness, it lives by the Almighty Dollar. If you've got enough money, the the myth is, then you can be happy. If you've got enough money, you'll be without problems. Now, we all know that's not the case. But nonetheless, that is the philosophy, the mentality of this current age. And Jesus said, you've got to choose. Are you going to focus on God or are you going to focus on this? Are you going to lay up treasures in heaven? Are you going to have your eye single And then he comes to where we are tonight, and he says, let's look at practical application of this. The reason I've done this little backdrop is because Jesus himself starts off with, with, therefore, for this reason, he's referring back to something. And what he's referring back to is treasure in heaven, having your eyes single, and not serving two masters. He said, now how do we do that? Well, I'm glad you asked. Let's look. First of all, do not be anxious about your life. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Jesus, I suggest, begins by challenging one of the most basic principles of life, food and clothing. He basically excuses them as being unimportant, counterintuitive it's radical. I'm sorry, eating is important. I like to eat, I get grumpy when I don't eat, and if I don't eat over a longer period of time, I don't only get grumpy, I die. So eating is an important part of doing life. And yet Jesus is saying, wait a minute, that is not to be one of the defining realities. Don't be anxious about this. Jesus begins by challenging these most basic and principal areas of life. Without a new vantage point, and this is why I'm underscoring the point about being born again, without a new vantage point, what Jesus is saying doesn't make sense. What do you mean, don't worry about having food? I've got five kids. Give me a break. What do you mean about clothing? Clothing is important, especially if you live in certain climates. And yet, Jesus is not not denying those things or denying the value of those things. He's saying, how are we looking at them? What shapes our frame of reference? How do we come at these different areas, these different needs that we have in life? Christ is requiring us to look at life differently. Without a new vantage point, without a new frame of reference, apart from a heavenly orientation, we can't get beyond the basic needs. I want to suggest that even with that orientation, the basic needs of life creep in on us. Kathy and I had a long discussion today. I'm not retiring yet, but we're heading into the the last segments of our life. We're watching our parents as they enter into the even laster segments of their life. And, and, and getting old, and the, and the thing that you, you know, when you're a kid, you've got somebody to take care of you. You don't even think about it. Dad will bring home a salary. Mom will cook the food. You're in good shape. When you're in the middle parts of your life, you've got the strength and the vitality. Maybe you're both working. You've got the means. You can look at where the money's coming from. But you get to a later point in life, And there's no mom and dad to run home to. And it's just obvious that you're not going to be able to continue doing what you're doing forever. So how do you look at it? Eating looks pretty good still. (laughs) Having clothes, I'll take it. Do you see how these things continually encroach upon us? They continually press upon us. And they continually create opportunities for us to look at these things in terms of what's our angle of approach? What is our perspective? What are we looking at them from? What is our perspective that we're addressing them from? To address these things, Jesus uses two examples. He speaks of birds and flowers to address our our concerns about food and clothing. And in doing so, he demonstrates God's glory and sufficiency of his care. Well, he begins by telling us what not to focus on. Is not life more, he says. Don't be anxious about these things. Life is more than food. Life is more than clothing. Don't be people who focus on these things. Jesus intends for our vision, for our perspective to be lifted above, to be looking at these things as children of God. The message message that he's getting at is there's more to life than survival, than finding our provision. There's more to life than just getting by. There's more to life than just being comfortable. There's more to life than just defining life in the terms that we're used to and familiar with in terms of our natural experience and our natural way of life. And Christ Jesus spends our, spends our he uses our lifetime to continually draw us up, draw us out of, draw us beyond the natural perspective that we, that we live by. I wrote this today in my notes and I want to just kind of read it to you. Our entrance into the kingdom raises our, to our awareness the question of purpose. When we're born again, a whole plethora of things are, to, are begin bubbling up in us. They begin calling to us. They begin beckoning us. They begin challenging us. And I wrote it this way. I said, when we are, when we are, our entrance into the kingdom raises to our awareness the question of purpose. What is your purpose? What did God create you for? The very nature of new birth invites that consideration. Invites us to not just consider it once, but to revisit. Am I doing, am I in that purpose? Am I in the current of God's purpose for my life? Entrance into the kingdom challenges our sense of direction and holds out the hope of greater meaning, greater significance in our lives. This is something that living in the kingdom of God is is to continually present to us, to continually be aware of the fact and asking ourselves and assessing, are we fulfilling our purpose? Are Are we taking up the challenges of the opportunities and the direction? That we're we're given? Are we embracing the things for which Christ has laid hold in our lives? In finding God and His purpose, as we do this, in finding God and His purpose, we find everything we need. God's provision accompanies our finding His purpose. God's provision comes in with our finding the purposes of God for our life. When we line up with his purpose, God's provision is right there. This is what Jesus is saying in this sermon that he's giving to us. Look at the birds of the air. Did a Google search. How many birds are there in the earth? Scientists believe that at any given time on the earth, there are 100 to 200 billion birds alive in the earth. It's a testimony to the glory of God that of these almost 10,000 species, such variety and beauty and color that God provides for all of them every day. The very systems that he's created, the structures of this creation work to bring this about. This is the God to whom we've been joined by birth, by new birth. Are you not worth more than they, Jesus asks? He sets up a dramatic contrast challenging us to look at our lives from a heavenly perspective. In other words, if God can take care of, on a given day, 150 billion birds, do you think he's capable of addressing the needs, the physical needs in your life? Do you see how having a perspective on the greatness of God can inform our faith, can draw us up out of our sense of lowliness or neediness or the narrow place that we all get into at times. Observe the lilies of the field, Jesus said. Again, he confronts us and challenges us to look at the basic motivations of our heart. Now, it's interesting here, he speaks of clothing as something, he says, is not the body more than clothing? I want to suggest that our physical bodies were never intended to be a platform for personal significance. How I look physically was never intended to be a platform for my sense of value or worth or well being. Personal adornment and how we care for our physical bodies were always intended to reflect what was on the inside. See, this is part of the effects of the fall. It all got turned upside down. We went from being people who it was what was on the inside, shining out, radiating out. That's what was important. What's so interesting about lilies, they don't try to be beautiful. They're just that way. It just comes out. Any flower you can think of, it just comes out. And it only lasts for a short period of time. And God is surrounded in his creation with, I didn't look up how many different kinds of flowers there are on the earth, but I'm sure it's even more than there are birds. And this is the thing that the Lord is saying to us. Are we looking at at things, are we looking, how do we view ourselves and how do we view what we adorn ourselves with and why do we view it the way that we do and how do we change? The lilies reflect God's glory naturally. And their adornment is not put on. The message God wants us to understand here is that he is not only able and faithful to provide, but he intends our adornment to be, to quote Peter in the third chapter of the first letter of Peter, our adornment is to be the hidden person of the heart. This is what we are to live from. This is what... We're to live by. Therefore, Jesus concludes Do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat or what shall we wear? For even the Gentiles seek these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Physical provision is not to be the focus of our lives. Don't be anxious. It's interesting that he says here the Gentiles eagerly seek these things, but you have a heavenly Father who knows you need these things. He's distinguishing already between people who are of the kingdom and people who are of the world. And we're to learn how to relate in the relationship we've been born into. You see, God has birthed you and I. He has caused his seed. Well, the reason that we're to have a different awareness, the reason that we're to have a different engagement with Christ in his kingdom, is because not only has he forgiven us, not only has he put, put, put the, the, the grace of God working in our lives, but it says in John in the first chapter that the very seed of our Father has been sown into our heart. Greek word for seed, sperma. The seed of God has generated life within us. The life we're to live by. The life we're to draw from. What we're to be. What we're now connected to. We're connected to it. Not by anything in our natural being. But the very nature of God is growing up within us. And how we relate to physical needs. How we relate to difficult circumstances. How we relate to these things is intended... To be an opportunity for that nature to grow, to become stronger, to occupy more of our understanding, to inform our faith more and more and more. And in doing so, we begin to manage our lives from a different perspective, from a different place. Well, let me just conclude by asking this question Are you born again? If living beyond the level, now I'm going I'm to, I brought this tonight. This is a plumb bob. This is what uh, bricklayers use to see if a wall is straight. So let me just take a moment and put a plumb bob alongside of your life so you can do a little self evaluation. If living beyond the level of your needs, if trusting God for provision of food and clothing, Seems naive or foolish. If you don't feel drawn upward in your orientation, if what is being described, what in my faltery way, faltering way I've tried to describe, even in, in the, the limitations of my description, there's still something that the Spirit of God calls to in the heart of a person who's been born again if it hasn't been calling to you if you haven't been reminded of something if you haven't been invigorated and being challenged by the things that Jesus is saying here about what we look to then there's a good chance you may not be born again and i say that not to not to certainly not to judge anyone and certainly not to raise doubt but there comes a point at which we have to honestly assess does my life reflect what i claim to believe Do I live this way? What happens when difficulty comes? Do I start banging around and hitting the panic button? Or is there something inside of me that begins to draw and reach out for that which I know is beyond, and I know that my Father is faithful, and I know I'm related to something larger because I've been born again? And that's the new reality that I'm learning how to live in. This is the reality that Jesus was telling these folks in the Sermon on the Mount, seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Let that be the thing that you're focused on. Let that be what you're single about. Let that be the thing that you are that, that gives light to your insides. So the very fact that God that Jesus commends to us a seeking first of the kingdom means that we need to be looking and saying, if we don't understand what that means, asking him to show us what that means. If we do have a sense and we do it only falteringly or we do it hesitantly or we do it only intermittently, then we need to say, Lord, renew in me a fresh commitment to seeking your kingdom first, lining everything up in my life. After all, Lord, I've been born again. You now are the sun around which all the aspects of my life orbit. Whatever light I have, whatever warmth I experience is no longer because of what I do. It's you living in me. This is what it means to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, to line our lives up accordingly. If you're born again, make a fresh resolve to seek the kingdom first, to reference the reality of the kingdom of God in your life and will rightly line up with it. We do this by faith. We do it by asking God to show us. Lord, you may be here tonight and and looking at a situation or a circumstance, a difficulty, a challenge, or an opportunity, a great benefit coming your way. What am I going to do with this? It's important that you come back and say, God, how do I look at this from the standpoint, from the vantage point of your kingdom? What does this mean in terms of helping me relate better to you? What does this mean in terms of what you want to do through me in this world? Because that is what it looks like to seek first the kingdom of God. And it proceeds out of our having been born again. We see the kingdom. Without that experience, without that reality, we can't see the kingdom of God.